Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. On Monday, seven-year-old Xavier Usanga was playing in the yard, hours away from starting a new school year. Instead, the Clay Elementary School student was fatally shot. He's one of four St. Louis public school students lost to gun violence this summer alone. Here's Major Mary Warnicke, Deputy Commander of Investigative Services for the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department, giving details on what's become a spate of violence. We are here today because we have a seven-year-old who will not be starting school today. We have a 10-year-old murdered not that long ago in the city of St. Louis who will not be starting school today. We have a two-year-old murdered on Ferris not so long ago. We have a three-year-old who was murdered on Michigan not so long ago. And I know, people know, who shot and murdered these children. I know for a fact people know who is responsible. And we are not getting the calls that we need. We are not getting people knocking and demanding that we arrest these people. We need people to step it up. That was Major Mary Warnicke speaking with reporters on Tuesday. Joining me in studio to talk about how students are coping with Xavier's death is Megan Marietta, Manager of Social Work Services at St. Louis Public Schools. We're also joined by Kevin Hampton, the Executive Director of Communications at the Ferguson Florissant School District. Megan Marietta, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me and engaging us in this important conversation. You've been with the St. Louis Public Schools for 10 years. Are the four deaths we've seen this summer, please tell me that's an outlier. It has been an outlier in recent years, um, but unfortunately, our district does deal with the death of many students over the course of every school year. This summer does seem to be more tragic um, in the sense that not only have we lost our four children, but St. Louis City has lost many other children to gun violence this summer as well. There's kids that aren't even old enough to go to school that, that were killed this summer. Correct, or children that weren't enrolled in our district specifically, but school-aged children that were still the victims of gun violence. And so for the four in your district this year, it's your job to manage social workers for the district and to coordinate crisis intervention teams. Tell us a little bit about what that means. What do you do to try to deal with um, after there's been a death like Xavier's? Well, it all begins with supporting our social workers and other school-based crisis team members, such as our guidance counselors and school nurses, and equipping them with the tools on how to respond to the students' needs, staff needs, as well as family members. And when social workers respond out to a building for a crisis intervention team, we have to be mentally and emotionally prepared to serve those students, families, and staff members. Um, so part of it is just centering ourselves, learning how to take care of ourselves on an ongoing basis, and then being able to spring into action to respond to the needs that we're faced with um, in the buildings. Uh, being able to help students uh, process emotions, um, deal with the overwhelming sense of loss, as well as teaching them new coping skills. Kevin Hampton, you're with the Ferguson Florissant School District. Thank you for joining us today. You, you've My dealt pleasure. with this issue a few times in the last year. How do you approach students after one of their own has been killed? So we've we've lost um, close to ten students over the last year or so, and uh, it's always a, a difficult time for students. One of the things that our district really is emphasizing at the start of this new year is uh, this safety campaign and trying to. Uh, help our students be aware of their surroundings and the actions of 
their fellow students. And, and so uh, trying to create a safe environment where students feel comfortable coming to school. Um, we know that not only in our community, but in communities across St. Louis, that uh, there is this sense of fear that a lot of students have. And so we try to create a safe, stable environment. We're also um, launching district-wide as part of our restructuring plan the uh, comprehensive integrated three-tiered model of support. And so all of our staff are going through training over the course of this year to provide those supports for not only academics and behavior, but the social emotional supports that so many students need. So we kids have, aren't going to social workers necessarily. The teacher is ready to handle that on their own. So we have, we have uh, universal supports that all the teachers provide, our counselors provide, but we also have social workers, we have therapists available, and um, we have um, an advisement program where all of our secondary students have an advisor who's working with those students also to provide those supports to serve as kind of an, an advocate and a guide for our students as they navigate school in general, but especially when they're dealing with uh, loss that comes from losing a classmate. Each student has one person sort of specially assigned to them. All of our secondary students do have that advisor who works with them, and it's a smaller group, and uh, it's not that same relationship as a teacher and student. It's much more of, of an advocate. And um, I, I know that years ago when uh, we started hearing about violence in schools, uh, someone asked me as a teacher at that time, you know, are you worried about um, something happening at your school? And I, I knew that the strength of our advisement program was going to help our kids be able to cope with things better than other places. And so uh, I'm excited that that has had a resurgence and uh, there's a new emphasis on that advisory program this year. Megan, um, what about in the St. Louis public schools? Are you waiting for students to come to you or is there sort of a proactive attempt to say, this is a kid who might need some help? We are taking a proactive approach with 45 of our schools being involved in a trauma-informed learning collaborative. We also have an increased focus on uh, physical and psychological safety in our buildings. So equipping all school-based staff with the tools to create safe environments to reduce trauma triggers for our students. And to Tell me like what might be a trauma trigger. Trauma triggers really can range from individual students, um, but it could just be loud noises in, in the school, such as school bells. It could be somebody flickering on and off lights or being told to take a hoodie down. Um, so it really does range, but it's being aware of what is a potential trigger and how can we intervene with our students from a space of wanting to approach them as to what's happening or what's been going on with them versus what's wrong with them. And are you also focused on, it sounds like, this safety aspect of wanting to make sure the school feels like it's 100% safe to kids? How do you do that when kids might be bringing in a knife from home, a gun from home, something where they're not even sure of the power of what they have, but it's it might well invade the school place? So we do have security officers in our middle and high schools um, to be screening for any weapons or items that should not be brought into school. Um, but outside of that, it is about creating safe spaces and really working working with staff to give them the tools of providing proper interventions, like Kevin said, focusing on that tiered intervention. So having universal supports in school, um, and then moving on to our tier two with our small groups that would typically come to the attention of the social worker or guidance counselor, maybe even one of our community partners. Um, and then our tier three interventions, so having those behavior intervention plans in place for our students, really involving the families in the interventions as well, and being more proactive in terms of identifying what the student or family is in need of. 
Kevin? So we are also uh, along those same lines. We're launching this new safety and security uh, plan called CUBES, um, and that is clear communication. So we're trying to keep those lines of communication open between students and staff and parents. Um, clear understanding. We have additional SROs, school resource officers, ed- and school security officers in um, all of our secondary schools, and we have for the first time security officers in all of our elementary schools. And um, so the focus of them is not policing, but building relationships so that hopefully when our students are out on the street or in the neighborhood and they see someone in uniform, um, there's less of that sense of fear based on things that they may have experienced in the past. Um, and they'll uh, see hopefully an ally, uh, especially when they encounter our resource officers outside the building. Um, the uh, B is book bags. We have for the first time uh, yesterday, students in our secondary schools had to use clear book bags to come into school. And, Last, and you're giving those to we, the students. We are. All of our students received one. They also receive a little opaque pouch to hide personal hygiene items or other things that they don't want other students to see, um, but still provides a much greater measure of security. We found three guns in our school last year. They were all in book bags. And, and, and what age level are we talking? These are high school high students. High school, okay. And so we have, uh, we have that as an, another layer of security. Kids are able to see what the other students are walking around with and so that they're not wondering what's in his book bag or her book bag. Um, we also have changed our student uh, code of conduct to a student expectation code. And so students, rather than being faced with rules and discipline, understand the expectations that are laid out and then the consequences that are there if they don't meet those expectations. But it's tried to be a much more restorative approach for our students. And then also those clear supports and that ranges from trauma-informed approaches, um, understanding that students act and react the way that they do in school, often because of trauma that they've experienced, um, and uh, along with the other things that we've talked about. How are students responding to these measures so far? So, you know, I had a student yesterday when I walked into one of the schools said, these bags are so country. And I said, well, I've spent some time in the country. I don't know that I've seen anything quite this nice. But uh, uh, so, but the interesting thing is it seems like the students are probably embracing it better than maybe some of their parents are. Interesting. You know? Because as parents, we look out for our kids and we want them to have a good experience in school. But as I've moved through, I've been in um, 13 of our schools in the last two days. And um, the students are just going about doing their thing. So there hasn't been a big backlash on clear backpacks or some of these other there measures? Were, there were a lot of conversations before school started, but now that they're in school, they're just doing school. Megan, has that been also the reaction in the St. Louis schools so far? So far this week, it's it's been school as usual. And um, when we are looking at um, creating those safe spaces, we're in our second year of really focusing on having students identify hotspot school spots in their buildings. And so we'll be looking at that again this year early on. Sorry, what's a hotspot school spot? A hotspot or a cool spot. A hotspot is um, an area in the building that children don't feel safe. Mm. And um, asking from their perspective, where in the building are you concerned to be? And really making sure that we as the adults are on the same page as them. So often as adults, we think we know what kids want and what they think, but really getting that from the children themselves. What might be an example of a space where they, they don't feel safe? Something that's dark or isolated? or Yeah, and a hallway where there's no adult supervision oh, okay. or um, a hallway where there's a lot of congestion during transition um, would be an example. Or the cafeteria. One of our elementary schools said that the playground was a safety concern 
concerned because there was nothing to border the playground and the street, and mm-hmm. they were concerned about traffic. And so one of the solutions then is having a gardening club come in and plant some tall evergreens that would at least provide some sort of barrier, some sort of enclosure or safe space for them. It makes me kind of sad to hear this level of anxiety that they have about what I think we all remember childhood as being, oh no, you know, we're just happy going to school. But these are kids who have maybe lived in much more difficult circumstances than many of us are used to. Does that sort of put them on edge in in ways that we can't even understand? Yeah. I mean, when trauma is impacting your life or when safety is a concern for many children, that internal alarm system is constantly flipped on. So they're hypervigilant about everything that's going on around them. And often that's when we see those really intense, strong reactions, because they are in that constant protection mode, hypervigilant about everything that's going on around them. And so sometimes the fear is real, and sometimes it is skewed because of other experiences. But our job is to help ensure their psychological and physical safety, no matter what the situation. Kevin? You know, I th- there's always that danger of a single story and assuming that all of our students have experienced trauma. Uh, but the reality is that many of our students have experienced some level of trauma. And just like you said, for most of us, uh, especially us being white, going to school, I went to a suburban school as a kid. I didn't have any of these things ever cross my mind. Um, and so that is a piece of the work that needs to be done so that our adults in our buildings understand the trauma that our students have been through and then uh, respond to students in a way that um, that respects and acknowledges them, preserves their dignity, and then also helps them navigate those places where uh, the trauma Im- impacts their performance and their behavior. Yeah, and, and Kevin brings up um, a very valid point about trauma and not that every child has experienced trauma. And trauma is really identified by the individual person. What's traumatic for you might not be traumatic for me. And what we often see with our children and families is that they don't identify an experience as traumatic. And often, especially when it's coming to um, the experience of loss, it is an experience that our children unfortunately experience time and time again. And we are seeing um, that our children are desensitized to the loss. Um, And that when we are going for a crisis team, some children don't come and utilize the team. Some staff won't utilize the team because unfortunately, they're becoming numb. On that very sad note, uh, that was Megan Marietta, Manager of Social Work Services at St. Louis Public Schools. We also talked today with Kevin Hampton, a spokesman for the Ferguson Florissant School District. Kevin, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having this important conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.